This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch.
Don't worry, your mouth makes up for them. Hey there, theatre nerds. It's me, Mel, together with my good friend, Mike. Yo! You're backstage. We're here for all of your theatre-related yarns and needs. If you missed our episode of Epic Proportions last week, it was (laughs) all things that bloody woman and featured bloody good chats with cast member and local talent. I'm I'm decided to call him local, uh, Kyle Chillin. Yeah, he's committed to the area now. And it was such a good chat we had. Uh, To be honest, you know, I, I was trying to make a radio show out of it, but we have limitations of course we can only use so much airtime and there was so much involved in those conversations that we had with Kyle that uh, I just thought no I can't change it so this is going to be podcast only material and really good feedback we've had from people about it too so thank you for downloading it checking it out and if you want to go further and check out some of our past episodes or any of our content from the last couple of years just head to your favorite podcast streaming app and while you're at it go ahead and give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram and the other places where we are we're going for an old favorite this week when I say old it's still from the 2000s but it's pretty you know, old now. It is old now. As you already know from our opening number, our musical of the week this week is We Will Rock You, featuring the smash hits of Queen. Obviously, we do love Queen. We love the music. We love Freddie. I can't yeah. believe it's from the 2000s, which is over 20 years ago now. Know, yeah. Not sure if I love the musical so much, just yeah. because the story is a bit meh. It's a bit meh. <laughs> I, don't, I wish you could see the face I was doing. But, yeah, I um, wish you could too. <laughs> It leaves a little something to be desired. That said, one of my very first Broadway crushes was Tony Vincent, who played the original London Galileo. I have a very soft spot for his version of Who Wants to Live Forever. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, fair enough. Well, since we're here, since you're hanging out there, ready for it, shall I kick it off? Everything you need to know about our musical of the week. We will rock you. I'm ready.
it's a jukebox musical. We've talked about that genre before. Mm-hmm. A musical based on the music of a of a, a star, a group or, or yeah, genre, yeah, something. This one is based on the songs, of course, of the British rock band Queen, with a book by Ben Elton. Now, you talk about the story. Ben Elton is an amazing writer. He's he's written some really incredible scripts over the years, and a very creative, very funny guy, responsible for a lot of the success of Blackadder in the later series. The musical tells the story of a group of bohemians who struggle to restore the free exchange of thought and fashion and live music in a far distant future where everyone dresses, thinks and acts the same. Musical instruments and composers are forbidden and rock music is all but unknown. According to Brian May, Queen's manager Jim Beach had spoken with the band about creating a jukebox musical with Queen's songs as far back as the mid-1990s. Initially, the idea was to create a kind of biographical story of Freddie Mercury, since he was such a big star. Mm. And about this time, Robert De Niro's production company, Tribeca Productions, expressed great interest in a Queen musical, but they found the idea was just a bit too difficult to work with. Now, a sidebar to that, in a 2009 interview with the BBC, Brian May said that a film version had been proposed and that Ben Elton had, in fact, already written a full script with a much grittier storyline, which might have satisfied you, Mel. I really already like the sound of it. Yeah, he emphasised that a lot more action could be included uh, during the songs in a film rather than a stage musical, so it had a lot more potential in his mind. So far, there's just tumbleweed and crickets on that idea. Maybe it will happen someday anyway back to the chase again in the year 2000 ben elton was approached to start talks with brian may and roger taylor on the project and he suggested taking the musical down a very different path than they initially thought creating instead an original story that rather than being biographical in nature would actually capture the spirit of their music much more and he worked closely with May and Taylor to incorporate Queen songs into the story. Elton has also stated that he was in part inspired by the computer-controlled dystopia of the 1999 science fiction film The Matrix. Sure. Yeah. The script was eventually completed midway through 2001. And the original production of We Will Rock You opened on the 14th of May 2002 at the Domain Theatre London with previews beginning in April. The production was directed by Christopher Renshaw and at the final performance, Queen guitarist Brian May and drummer Roger Taylor both performed. Oh, nice. And in fact, Brian May and Roger Taylor often make cameo appearances at premieres and special events, including things like Freddie Mercury's birthday. I love that. Yeah, cool, eh? A number of international productions have since followed the original, which I'll cover shortly, and many productions are still active globally when COVID ain't in the way. Mm -hmm. I'll give you the storyline. It's set exactly 300 years in the future from now, whenever now happens to be. Okay. In a vaguely Orwellian type of world. Earth has been renamed as the Eye Planet, sometimes called Planet Mall in older productions, and it's controlled by the Global Soft Corporation. On the iPlanet, mainstream commercial conformity reigns in which Gaga kids watch the same movies, listen to computer-generated music, wear the same clothes, and hold the same thoughts and opinions. Musical instruments are forbidden, and rock music... (laughs) Totally unknown. No, no, no. And the newest graduating class is one black sheep by the name of Galileo, who has dreams and hears strange words in his head, most of which are lyrics of songs long since lost. Sure. Though he doesn't understand their significance. (laughs) Right. Despite his teacher's advice, Galileo refuses to conform like the rest of his classmates. He is subsequently captured by Khashoggi 
commander of Global Soft's police. And the teacher also reveals a second anomaly, a young goth woman by the name of Scaramouche, who is openly mocked and derided by her peers, and she too is arrested by Khashoggi. Mm-hmm. Ruling Global Soft Corporation is the Killer Queen. She's heard of uh, prophecy that instruments have been hidden somewhere on the eye planet in the place of living rock, and a bright star will show the way to them. She orders Khashoggi to get to the bottom of the matter and crush the rebel bohemians who believe this prophecy. Galileo and Scaramouche wake up in a hospital. They realize that they are kindred spirits, feared by the rest of the society. Uh, cue for the song Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. And they, <laughs> they flee together from the hospital. Khashoggi has blown up all the rocks on the eye planet but cannot find all the supposed hidden instruments. Killer Queen insists, therefore, that they have won and the prophecy will not come to pass. On the streets, Bohemians Brittany and Oz climb out of the sewers where they've been gathering materials to make their own musical instruments. Brittany is a believer in the dreamer who will fulfill the prophecy and insists to the cynical Oz that it's the key to bringing real music back into the world. Brit and Oz then hear footsteps approaching and hide. Turns out it's Galileo and Scaramouche. And with Galileo talking about his belief that he has a destiny. Brittany and Oz reveal themselves and accuse Galileo and Scaramouche of being spies because Galileo keeps spouting words of the sacred text. Galileo insists he only hears those words in his head. Brittany tests Galileo by singing the first few lines of Bohemian Rhapsody. Galileo responds correctly with the subsequent lines, and Brittany then realizes he is the dreamer of the prophecy. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, and I get, I get what you mean, Mel. This Bit is cheesy. real cheesy. Yeah, yeah. They bring Galileo and Scaramouche to the Heartbreak Hotel where the Bohemians have made their home. Now, it is cheesy, but I think in a way it kind of catches the sort of over the top cheesiness of some of the music of yeah. Queen, and it, it paves the way for the music to actually do what it does. Anywho. The Bohemians explain to Galileo and Scaramouche that they take their names after singers long gone. I mean, they use names like Cliff Richard and so on. (laughs) And mourn the deaths of those who died young. The group then celebrates the reason rock bands started playing music in the first place, which was for a crazy little thing called love. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Khashoggi and his police suddenly arrive at the Heartbreak Hotel where they round up the Bohemians for capture. Brittany breaks free and battles the police in order to enable Galileo and Scaramouche to escape but in the process Brittany is killed. (gasps) Then we take intermission. For Act 2, Galileo and Scaramouche have escaped the Heartbreak Hotel and realise that back at the hospital, tracking devices had been installed in their heads. They remove them, and upon realising that they are all that's left of the rebels, they confess their love for each other. The surviving Bohemians have been rounded up by Khashoggi to be tortured, and when he can't get any information from them about the prophecy, he has them brain-drained. Galileo wakes up and tells Scaramouche that he had a dream that the Bohemians were sent to the Seven Seas of Rye. Scaramouche agrees they have to go there, but then Galileo insists that she stay because she's, well, a chick. To which Scaramouche takes offence, naturally. Mm -hmm. They argue and decide that both of them will go to the Seven Seas of Rye, but from that point on, their relationship is going to be purely professional. (laughs) Back at Global Soft headquarters, Khashoggi reports that the Bohemians are no longer a problem. Killer Queen prematurely starts to celebrate, but Khashoggi interrupts her to say that Galileo and Scaramouche have escaped. Killer Queen declares this is the last time Khashoggi has disappointed her and has him brain-drained. Another one bites the dust. (laughs) 
Galileo and Scaramouche are making their way to the Seven Seas of Rye, arguing all the way. And at the Seven Seas of Rye pub in Montreux, Pop, the librarian, is serving drinks to the lifeless bohemians. I love this cameo role. When Galileo and Scaramouche arrive, Pop explains the full nature of the prophecy to them as inscribed by the three remaining members of the band Queen just before they were sentenced to death. Yes. So they incorporate the band members in this. Okay. The legend says also that Brian May apparently delayed his execution for three and a half days by making his last request to play a last guitar solo. <laughs> stretches it out for three and a half days. Uh, Scaramouche figures out that the bright shining star of the prophecy is rock star Freddie Mercury's statue and that it's pointing to Wembley Stadium, the place of living rock. After initially preparing to travel by bicycle, Scaramouche protests that the method isn't very cool, so they travel there by motorcycle instead. <laughs> Hence the Wembley Stadium is in ruins with no instruments to be found reconciling and with their love for each other rekindled Scaramouche inspires Galileo to perform the opening of We Will Rock You and an electric guitar is revealed Galileo can't play it but Scaramouche can Pop hacks into Global Soft's network so their music can be heard by everyone on the iPlanet and Killer Queen is defeated after the curtain calls, the entire company traditionally performs Bohemian Rhapsody as an encore. That's a five-minute song. That's a pretty hefty encore, isn't it? Hefty yeah. encore. I suppose, I mean, the show is very well loved. Yeah. So by but then... It, the storyline is so over the top and so many, th- so many contrived things to enable the music to happen. Yeah. But the, I guess it's that um, sort of glam rock kind of thing about it that, that has that mass appeal. I think it does. Yeah. I'll just run through the production histories, if you like, because I yeah. don't have an awful lot about um, critical reaction, other than, you know, initially people weren't all that sure about it. Yeah. But it's taken off. The original production featured a nine-piece live band, and Tony Vincent played the lead role of Galileo, with Hannah Jane Fox as Scaramouche, Sharon D. Clark as Killer Queen, Nigel Planer, who was Neil in The Young Ones, played Pop, Nigel Claudel as Brit, and Kerry Ellis as Meat. For her performance as Killer Queen, Clark was nominated for Best Performance in a Supporting Role in a Musical or Entertainment in the uh, 2003 Olivia Awards. Nice. Although the musical was first panned by critics, it has become an international audience favourite. I think it probably speaks to the popularity of the music more than the quality of the story. Yes. Not to say that Ben Elton's script isn't good, but it follows an awful lot of conventions. It's very contri- It's a bit contrived. Yeah. On the 17th of August 2005, We Will Rock You became the longest-running musical at the Dominion Theatre, surpassing the previous record holder, which was Greece. And that's not a small achievement because the Dominion is one of the largest theatrical venues in the West End, with a seating capacity of just over 2,100 patrons. Oh, sure. A national UK tour was launched in 2009 at Palace Theatre Manchester. A second UK tour launched at the same venue the next year in December. In March 2014, it was announced the West End production would close in May that year, shortly after its 12th anniversary, and after 4,600 performances at the Dominion. Wow. It became the 11th longest-running musical in West End history. Yeah. The show embarked on a further tour of the UK and Ireland in 2019, and after a lengthy hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it will run into 2022. Will it? Yep, back up and going. The first international production premiered at the Regent Theatre in Melbourne, Australia in August of 2003. The cast included Michael Felzon as Galileo, Kate Houlihan as Scaramouche, and Annie Crummer as Killer Queen. I remember actually when she was cast in that, it was a big deal. Didn't that one tour here? Yes, Yes, it did. Yeah. 
Amanda Harrison, who originated Oz in this Melbourne production, had previously been in the ensemble of the original London production, so she brought a bit of cred to it too. The production closed at that venue in March of 2004 to make way for Australian tour stops in Perth, Brisbane and Sydney. And that same production then made an international tour stop at the Shinjuku Koma Theatre in Tokyo, where it ran from uh, 27th of May to the 24th of August in 2005. Mm. Due to the success of the Japan tour, another Australian tour group was put together in the following year in 2006. They performed at the same venue in Tokyo from November to December. And some of the actors from the 2005 tour returned to the 2006 tour. And that tour group then performed in Osaka as well from January of 2007. In 2015, a new tour of Australia was announced and started in Sydney in April of 2016. Uh, When looking at the rest of the world, it's almost uh, easier, actually, to say where it hasn't been staged. There have been productions all over the US besides regular touring productions in that country, plus Spain, Russia, Germany, South Africa, Switzerland, Austria, Canada, Italy, the Netherlands, France, Sweden, Norway, Belgium, Brazil, Aotearoa, Mm -hmm. South Korea, Hong Kong, Thailand, and in 2015 there was a continuous production on board the new Royal Caribbean cruise ship, the Anthem of the Seas. Nice. So if you're on that cruise, I guess you could watch it as much as you wanted. <laughs> the original London production won a Laurence Olivier Audience Award for Most Popular Show, and the show has also gathered up a lot of international awards over the years as well from various countries where it's been. And it's on stage next year in Tauranga in September. It's going to be at the Bay Court Theatre. Can't wait. Yeah. It's one of those shows that just keeps on giving. Lots of people want to keep doing it. It does. I think you hit the nail on the head when you say uh, it really speaks to the popularity of Queen. Yeah. And that's probably not all there is to say about Queen or the musical We Will Rock You, but it's definitely uh, a good start, and I'm going to leave it there. If you're a human living on Earth, you've heard at least one song from the show, and if not, well, definitely check it out. You cannot die without checking it out. If I could just find that lost vibe, then we could share our love with the whole world! And you know what we get then, didn't you, babes? We get it all. Adventure Seeker. On an MTS street, just an alley creeper, light on his feet. A young fighter screaming, with no time for doubt. With the pain and anger, I can't see a way out. It ain't much I'm asking, I heard him say, all I want is a future.
I want it all from Musical of the Week. We will rock you. You're backstage with Mel and Mike, and we couldn't be here without the support of our friends, Free FM and Creative Waikato. We are so grateful to have backstage as a creative oh, outlet. Are we ever. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's so pleased to have this. Speaking of creative outlets, uh, things are back in rehearsal. Yeah making rescheduled plans and charging forward. So let's hit our calendars for what's coming up around the place soonish. At the Meteor, Little Shop of Horrors is being presented by the Wintech Performing Arts Students. That opens tomorrow night and runs until the 27th of November. Going to catch that on Friday. Yeah, I'm catching it on Saturday too. I can't wait. Assassins is being presented by Bold Theatre. That runs from December 10th to the 18th. And the Jordan Luck Band are playing at the Meteor on Sunday, December the 19th. Riverley Theatre has Beauty and the Beast Junior hits the stage mid-January. And Hamilton Musical Theatre are also still in rehearsal for Mamma Mia!, which will hit the stage in February. Finally! Navarra Lounge will reopen following Level 2 protocols tonight, Wednesday the 24th of November. That starts with an open mic night and doors are open from 6pm. Oh, please support it too. Ivan's had a long haul through this process and he's slowly building up his uh, bookings again to get back to full swing. Good on him. Taaroha Little Theatre are in rehearsal for The Vicar of Dibley. That's due to hit the stage March next year. Also in rehearsal for Death and Taxes by April Phillips. That's a reschedule that's going to happen next year as well. Over in Matamata at the Dramatic Society, they, they are in rehearsal for At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin by Norman Robbins. Uh, they were planning to hit the stage this year, but they are now planning for a 2022 reschedule. Matamata Musical Theatre have a funny thing happened on the way to the forum coming up. That's rescheduled to March of 22. Let's head to Tauranga. 16th Avenue Theatres, Swingers by April Phillips, directed by Merv Beats, 26th of November to the 10th of December, 12 Angry Men by Reginald Rose, directed by Liam Hagen, and that is on from January the 21st to the 29th. Detour Theatre had a tremendously successful season for Sherlock Holmes, The Adventure of the Speckled Band. I think it's booked out, but it's on until December the 4th. And Tauranga Musical Theatre had Peter Pan Jr., directed by Keegan White. January the 14th to the 21st, followed by Les Miserables, directed by Tony Henderson, February the 4th to the 19th. Theatre Fakatani have Mystery on the Orient Express. That's on right now until November the 27th. And Auckland Theatre Company, back up and running. ATC have announced their 2022 season, kicking off with Grand Horizons by Bess Wall, directed by Jennifer Ward-Leland, 8th of February to March the 5th. By way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, there are a few little bits and pieces happening. Thames Music and Drama have announced auditions for their 2022 season of the musical Mamma Mia. Auditions are happening November the 27th through to the 30th, so head to thamesmad.co for more information. Hamilton Musical Theatre have auditions coming up next weekend for the May season of Blood Brothers, directed by Angela Walker. The dates for the auditions, December the 5th and 6th. Follow the Facebook page for details on how to book. Rotorua Musical Theatre are also looking for creative team expressions of interest for their 22 season of Song Contest, the Almost Eurovision Experience. You can check out the Rotorua Musical Theatre Facebook page for more information. And Tahi Tai Tasi are presenting the 2022 Summer Shakespeare at the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival. If you want to audition for a role in Julius Caesar, directed by James Smith, Check out Triple T on Facebook for all the details. As always, if there's anything you want us to spread the word about, email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or let us know when you see us at the theatre this weekend. Yeah, we're out there. Stay right there. We're not done yet. Still on the way is another visit to the writer's room and a wee treat from the creators of We Will Rock You. I want to break free. 
musical of the week we will rock you that is i want to break free performed by the original london cast as you can tell also that is a recording done live in performance which is really cool nice you are backstage with mel and mike coming to you live on free fm 89.0 or any of your favorite podcast streaming apps now because it's been so long since we last stepped into the writer's room where we introduce you to a kiwi playwright with exciting work happening today i thought we would briefly yarn about uh, this year's adam award winner 
Okay. Firstly, the Adam New Zealand Play Award, now in its 14th year, recognises and celebrates the best in new unproduced writing for the theatre. Play market's only entrance requirements for this are that the playwright be a New Zealand citizen or permanent resident and that the play has not yet had a professional production. The 2021 Adam Award recipient was Emily Duncan for her play And Sons. Emily also won the award for Best Play by a Woman Playwright and the McNaughton South Island Play Award, which is awarded to a play written by a South Island resident in memory of Professor Howard McNaughton, who passed in 2014. And Sons is a black comedy set in the executive office of a shoe factory. It examines pathologic patriarchy and toxic masculinity, how it's upheld, how it wields damage, and how it might be destroyed. Uh, Judges described the play as beautifully written, thrilling in the best sense of the word, shocking, lacerating, and wicked. Great descriptions. Mm. Emily Duncan is a Dunedin-raised-and-based writer, dramaturg, and director. She won the 2020 Bruce Mason Award and held the 2019 University of Otago Robert Burns Fellowship. She's also the co-founder of Prospect Park Productions and holds a PhD in theatre from the University of Otago and trained at the Strasbourg Institute in New York City. Some great cred. Great cred. Mm. Um, I met her once, actually, um, on a on a writer's retreat, and she is just wonderful. Other writing awards include Play Markets Plays for the Young and the Robert Lord New Script Award that's it, the, in the Dunedin Theatre Awards for uh, her play Eloise in the Middle. Le Sujet Pal was shortlisted for the 2019 Adam New Zealand Play Award, and Emily was the inaugural artist in residence at the St Hilda's Collegiate in 2017. In this role, she wrote In Our Shoes, which was also shortlisted for the 2018 Adam New Zealand Play Award. Emily Duncan has a bunch of plays available for licensing and you can check them all out by heading to playmarket.org.nz. Yeah, so, I mean, as you know now, I'm a bit of a fan of Emily Duncan. Her solo play, Eloise in the Middle, features an actress... Uh, who plays a seven-year-old caught in the middle of a tricky separation of her parents. Oh, nice. Um, it's super touching. Uh, it's really relatable for lots of young New Zealanders, and it's very cleverly written. I uh, certainly am aware of her, and uh, in particular the play In Our Shoes, which I'd heard about. I'm now heavily inspired to go and check out her plays, and if there's uh, something there that I like the look of, I'd really maybe like to direct it. Somewhere. Yeah, me too.
Whether you love the show or you don't, there is no denying that the music is some of the most iconic and memorable of all time. And because we're rolling with Queen this week, check out this conversation with Brian May and Roger Taylor. Gentlemen, thank you both very much for talking to us today. It's a, it's a real honour. Pleasure. Um, pleasure. Firstly, are, are you surprised at just how successful this show has been? Because it's been played to millions and millions of people and it's sold incredible. loads. It is incredible. It is a kind of miracle. I have to say, it's still on there. It's packed every night after seven years in London. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's not accident. We work hard on it, and we have a fantastic team of work incredibly hard on it. Constantly, internally, externally, so... And Roger's going to tell you... Um, yeah, we get the report, the see, we, Oh, well, go. We get right on top of it, and uh, apart from people losing items of clothing, uh, they... Um, Fantastic responsive audience throughout, huge cheers and much laughter, but the tremendous standing ovation at the end. And that was last Saturday night. So, um, it is so, great. so it's great. You know. Does it make you feel proud? It very much very does. Very proud, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful team, and it, it, it always makes me quite emotional to go. I go quite a lot still, we both do. And um, it's very much kept up to scratch. I mean, Ben is, is a fantastic father figure to it. He goes in a lot, and there's a lot of updating goes on. We as musical directors do a bit of updating as well, so it's very fresh, it stays very um, very alive, the show. And we have a fantastic cast, fantastic band, and we now have a whole new cast and a whole new band for, for this tour. We're all hand-picked by our good selves, with a little help from our Ab- friends. Absolutely, yeah. And Was uh, it Ben's idea, or your idea, or both, all three of you together, you all sit down in a pub and went, we should do a musical, and then somebody laughed and said, what a stupid idea, and then suddenly it happened. Was it well, like that? N- no, it wasn't like that. Um... Really, it was... <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> How was it? It was sort of like that. Um, no, uh, well, we wanted to do something that would work, but it had to be on our terms, and we couldn't find the right scriptwriter, and we suddenly realised we really needed an English scriptwriter with a great sense of humour. Because mm. um, I think, you know, Queen is all... A lot of it is all about having a bit of a sense of humour. And uh, I think we found the perfect guy with, when, when we went to Ben. We, we went through a couple of scripts that didn't work. At first, yeah. Yeah. But did you not? And I have to ask this because when you guys were younger and running around and filling stadiums with two hundred thousand people, etc., etc., if somebody had come up to you and said, "Oh, do a musical," you'd have probably just laughed at them and kicked them out of the room, wouldn't you? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't like musicals. It's it's true to say that. I think things have changed a bit. We've managed to change the whole scene a bit as well, which is great, you know. And I think musicals have have embraced us uh, in a sense which is wonderful I know people now come to our auditions knowing what we want which is something much more rock and roll obviously than than you'd want for My Fair Lady and I think it's kind of infected the West End because people go along and sing our our songs when they want to audition for, for other shows which which is kind of nice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so somebody, you know, something like somebody to love is, is a good workout for a singer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very much not the, the sort of Lloyd Webber experience. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's very much more well, a bit more rock and roll and uh, a little more spontaneous and and, and, a, and a little bit more modern, I think. You know. All right, and also, Different. are you surprised? at the age ranges of people who like it because there are people there sort of my age and up and I remember you guys when you were on the television every single week on every other pop show that was on and you were always <laughs> number one etc and then two. but then or number two or number, number two, two sometimes, sometimes but, and then there are, very and there there are kids down who are coming to your shows who are 16, 17 or younger my daughter is 18 she, she's desperate yeah. to see your show and to be honest she 
wouldn't I wouldn't say she is a Queen fan and mm. you know your time yeah. was possibly gone but by the time she came around so you're yeah. surprised at the the age range it is amazing it seems to um, cross all generations yeah I've been in there and I've seen uh, old old people like us in there with their sons and their granddaughters and yeah even older than us some people and uh, yes it, it does and they're all doing they're all standing they're all they're all singing and they're clapping and doing we'll rock you and stuff it, it's wonderful to see it does seem to unite the generations which is different isn't it I mean it mm. didn't happen when we were kids you know our, our parents liked stuff like Johnny Ray and you know stuff that I didn't relate to Who? at all you know it was different in those but, um, days but rock and roll does yeah. seem to, you know particularly queen music does seem to transcend the barriers which is great As you, I mean there are a lot of sort of schools go a lot of schools yeah. go and you find 12 to, to 21 and, and they, they you know they're great audiences actually it really is a mixed mixed audience okay um, what was your favorite queen song Ooh, it's hard to you say. see you've done so many it's yeah, a bit difficult isn't it but I'm, I've got to ask really. anyway it's a hard one really um, I think when you're on stage you, you like the dead certs really we have some, some big guns which we always used to do at the end of the show I don't know if we do it anymore will we do it anymore Rog? We don't know, do we? But you know, like Rocky and Champions, you know when you launch into that or Bohemian Rhapsody that it's going to connect. And even if it's not the best night in the world, you know, sometimes you get problems. You know, those are always going to happen, and you're always going to get across. But I don't know what my favourite Queen song is, really. I don't know. I'm very no. fond, fond of Under Pressure. Um, okay. Uh, mm. But you know, there's a whole raft of them that, that I'm very proud of. Okay, mm. and then the flip question, obviously, which was the one you used to, when you say, right, we're going to do that one, you'll go, oh, Well, we don't do one. those ones anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do you not do those? You don't, you don't do those There's plenty of them, though. Yeah, no, now there are a few, for example. <laughs> no, 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 we don't do the album material anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. We don't do Delilah, the one about Fred's cat. And, um, <laughs> no, we'd better not go here. You're not going to go here. It's All right, make then, big trouble, enough. yeah. All right, fair enough. And one, uh, there's something else I wanted to ask, um, which is... When Bohemian Rhapsody was number one, <laughs> for the first two or three weeks, it was fine, boys. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. Now we got bored. With I was going to say, did you get bored? Because I kind of got a bit bored because it was on all the time. Well, we were on a coach actually every day, um, right. touring UK, the UK, and um, and you know, like every week was it? Was you'd, you'd find out when was it on the uh, Tuesday or something if yeah. you're going to be number one. Or, and it was we couldn't believe it like week after week after week and in the end we thought oh, I can't last any longer they did keep going yeah. that was amazing yeah they had to change the video in the end it was an unusual thing for Top of the Pops to show a video week after week in those days and they didn't like it well they didn't have videos and um, it was unusual yeah that's right why was it you did a video Good question. Yeah, for various reasons. I mean, partly because we were going to be on tour, so we knew we wouldn't be available to go in and play. Partly because we didn't really want to go in and sort of try and attempt Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it was all miming in those days. I mean, yeah, we used to dread the Top of the Pops experience. So we stand on those little podiums and try to play Top of, top of the Pops, you know, doing Rhapsody, which yeah. looked very strange. So it was a nice way of us sort of distancing it, I suppose, but at the same time getting the but you needed, you know, you needed it to be on TV, that all-important programme. Which was a horrible experience. <laughs> you spent all day waiting around in a very small dressing room yeah. to go and pretend to play. Um, yeah. And it was pretty crap, to be honest. Fair enough, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> your will that make the end? Um, uh, yeah, that will make, don't worry, that one will make the cut, trust me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Other words. There's a knack of making like friends here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I like that, I like that. Um, the show is quite, is, is sort of, it's a pop at. Um, it seems, from judging by the blurb, it's a pop at 
manufactured pop music, isn't it? It's about going yeah, back yeah. to rock. And the way that the world, the whole world is becoming manufactured and homogenised. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys into any of the manufactured pop that we're seeing out on out at the moment? No. No. Absolutely not. Big no, then. It's a no. For me, yeah, but it's a big no, Simon. <laughs> okay. And, but having said that, having said that, there are there is a lot more there are a lot of guitar bands out there there's Razor Light and there's oh, Kingdom Leon and oh, yes, so there, there, there are, are some good there are yeah, I think that there, there's never been more um, great bands there's some incredible bands out there at the moment mm. and um, actually rock and roll is very alive and, and live music is is thriving now and live music actually mm. seems to be more important than the recorded uh, side in a way it's certainly mm. bigger business yeah. and um, I think that's fantastic and we have a lot of great bands I mean like Elbow just yeah, you know wow yes, what, a, what a breath of mm. f fresh air you know fantastic great songs you know great yeah when was it you guys first realised that you had something special when was it you know you've been <laughs> practising in the garage or wherever it was you'd, you'd done what you did when was it you suddenly thought hey we might have something here I think everybody if you're going to go into this business, it's it's absolutely vital that you think you must have something special. Otherwise, what are you doing in it? You know. Um, so I, th I think probably right from the beginning. Yeah, I think we had an insane confidence right from the beginning. I was going to say, do you yeah, think you need did. to be a bit arrogant about it? Do you think you need to think, yeah, yeah you I'm, have I'm to brilliant, believe. I'm great? I think you have to believe in what you have to offer. Yeah, we had. Yeah. We thought we were something that no one else had ever experienced before, didn't we? Like, yeah, you can only be truly be. modest if you are a true genius, you know. And uh, which we're not, unfortunately. You know, we're just sort of close you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that's mes amis is once again all we have time for but please join us again for more musicals more plays more interviews and a whole lot of theater yarning that's what we're all about it's literally everything we're it's about a, it's all we do <laughs> from the bottom of our hearts thank you free fm for hosting us thanks again creative waikato for sponsoring us and thank you for coming back week after a week for listening yeah don't forget to catch backstage wherever you get your podcasts we're available on accessmedia.nz iHeartRadio, spotify apple podcasts and head over to instagram and find backstage podcast nz where mel is going to be sharing today's episode plus our musical of the week on our story I have been Mike, she has been Mel, and you have been backstage. Today we are heading out with These Are The Days Of Our Lives from Musical Of The Week We Will Rock You. Stay safe out there and stay classy, theatre nerds. See ya!
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.